Welcome to Frontline Static, a podcast that helps bridge the gap between healthcare workers and first responders and everything in between. This week I had the opportunity to be able to interview one of my good friends and her husband. Uh, she works in healthcare and he's a first responder and it was just so good to be able to hear their point of view on how they deal with work-home-life balance and shift work and both of them really wanting to move forward in their careers but yet maintaining the goals and responsibilities of their family. And so without further ado, I hope you enjoy uh, my interview with Bree and Kyle as much as I enjoyed interviewing them. Hey, Kyle and Bree, how are you guys doing? Hey, we're good. How are you, Janessa? Good. Thanks for being on the podcast this week. Thanks for having us. Look forward to it. All right. So tell us a little bit about yourselves, what you do, and all of that. Okay. Um, well, I'm a training captain with a Tulare County Fire Department, and so I'm pretty much tasked with um, not so much hiring, but reviewing kind of the process and setting up, you know, testing processes. And then when the department chooses people, we, we put them through a rigorous academy of anywhere from six to 11 weeks, um, put them through all the skills, test them, evaluate them, and kind of just put them on their journey to, to a job, their first full-time job, you know, in our service. All right. And what was your experience before you got that training position? So... Um, I've worked with various departments here in the Central Valley, started out with Tule River Indian Reservation. That was my first job working as a firefighter EMT. And then uh, I spent a few years with Tulare County Fire Department, as well as Kings County Fire Department, working various jobs out in the field, um, you know, doing shift work on, on an engine, running calls and, um, you know, the day-to-day life of, of a firefighter um, for the most part. And eventually landed in the training division and, and kind of doing this job for the past about three and a half years now. Okay. And you came from um, a fire family, correct? That's correct. Second generation. My dad worked for the city of Visalia here, as well as um, about a seven year stint with Tulare County as well. Okay. Awesome. And um, just to note right now, we're doing it over zoom and I've been kind of answering the questions to your fan. Trying to, okay. <laughs> okay, now I can see your face. All right, Bray, tell me about yourself. All right, well, I have been a nurse for a little over, or just about 10 years, I think. I started out in the ICU as a student nurse assistant and a student nurse intern. Um, I was in the ICU at Cuya Delta for seven, eight years, maybe, maybe seven years. Um, I went to Valley Children's for about six months, decided I wanted to go back to adults. I went back to adult ICU in Hanford. I worked part-time there and then I went per diem. So I really wasn't working too much and life was good. And then I recently took a full-time job working mostly from home, but as a nurse again, and I work Monday through Friday and I work with workers' comp patients. So I do a lot of the paperwork, the billing, you know, tracking down certain referrals, authorizations, and then I will attend appointments with the injured worker um, here locally. Okay, awesome. And let's talk about how we met each other. How do we know each other? Because obviously I have you guys 
on this podcast this week because I think you're a power first responder healthcare couple. So I'll tell you what my first impression was when we met, and then you can tell me what yours was. Okay. We were sitting in orientation, hospital yep. orientation, and we had both just got hired on as um, student nurse aides or slash ICU techs. Yeah. And I was sitting at the table, of course, like 15 minutes early, like before everyone ever showed, I was like all ready to go, had like my pen and paper ready. And here you come like 15 minutes late. <laughs> but yeah. I think to be fair, you were in clinical. Correct. Correct. Okay. I was in clinical. And you're like, are you Janessa? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, are you Brian? And you're like, yeah. And after that, we were just like shift buddies after that. Like. Absolutely. I remember sitting at the table and you actually came up to me and I remember hearing it was this lady Janessa who had four kids. And when you walked up to me, I'm like, yeah, there's no way she has four kids. She Wait, to be fair, I only had three. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You okay. had three at that time. <laughs> and then actually we got hired on together and we were pregnant at the same time. Yours fourth and my first. Yeah, we were in, um, gosh, A I class. don't even remember what class it was. But it was a critical care class, maybe Pacers. It was, with, it was with Keith, so it probably was Pacers. And you said, I have something to tell you, but it's a secret. And, I, and I'm like, what? I love secrets. And you said, I'm pregnant. And I said, me too. <laughs> and I thought you didn't hear me right. <laughs> because did you think I was too old to have another baby? I thought you were too crazy to have another baby. <laughs> But what's kind of crazy about that is that we were just always good buddies. After that, we kind of hit it off. We, you were a semester ahead of me in nursing school. So you finished before me. And um, so you were, you know, three months ahead of me in orientation. But then once we got off orientation, we worked nights together while we were pregnant, right? That's right. That's right. And um, what I loved about working with you, and I probably have never told you this, just like, I always felt like you had my back. Like I always felt like we would have a patient or I would come in or I would have a coding patient or I would have one coming up as I was already sending one out. And every time it was crazy, you would always be like, I got you in your other patient's room. I'll give them meds. Like I always knew when you were working that we, I, you would help me make up what I was not being able to get to, which was a lot of things, a lot of days. I felt the same way. And I felt that we kind of understood each other. We knew what each other needed without that having to be said. So when we were slammed with one, someone was just, one of us was either, you know, automatically taking care of the other patient or, you know, just being able to figure out what each other needed. And I loved that. So when you left, it was devastating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is we had fun. Oh, like Absolutely. You have to be able to have fun when you're in a stressful job and stressful situations. And you have to have those people that you have fun with. Absolutely. I think we had more fun. People knew us together probably more than they knew us apart because we were always laughing and giggling and probably making a scene. <laughs> yeah, we definitely were. So how does that like, you know, when I ask people, and maybe this is a good question for you, Kyle, because I really didn't understand the importance of having good teamwork until I started this current job as a flight nurse and you have your, your partner and that's it. Um, and your pilot, of course, too. But, um, how important is it to just have that good teamwork 
for what you do? Well, um, I'm kind of in a funny position with the bulk of my career working for Tulare County. Anyone familiar with the fire service in the Central Valley um, knows we run kind of a different staffing model. Um, all of our stations, all but six stations now have just one person on duty. Um, you know, we rely solely on paid call um, firefighters to respond to supplement our workforce. Having spent some time in Kings County working on, you know, at a station on an engine with three people on duty, um, it was vastly different um, how those extra hands to help do things make such a difference. Um, and when you look at that compared to, you know, a 30 year career in the toll, that this job can can take on you, um, it's extremely important to have those people with you to to help do certain things to help ease the stress of the job of, of arriving on scene. You know some of these incidents we go to, um, and then you pair that with um, just station life with people and like you said, you know, getting along and having good people that are there to to support you and help you. Um, it, I mean, it means everything. You know, we fight every day to hopefully improve our staffing and, and those things are getting better. Um, but it is important to have those people because, you know, we have to deal with a lot of things that most people never see in their lifetime. So, um, you know, the firefighter is kind of a different breed because, um, you know, we learn how to kind of let those things kind of roll off our back and continue to do the job and look past, you know, some of the horrific things you see out there, you know, to, to ultimately meet the mission and get the job done. And, hopefully help those people out as best you can. So having that support network of people and, um, you know, balancing that with people at home is drastically important. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, I think that you can attest, you know, I know that you've spent a lot of time gone um, during fire season and in the course of your career, um, you know, that the people that we work with almost become our family because we spend so much more you know, one-on-one -on -one time with them than we do often with the people at, at home for us. Um, so how important is it for you, you know, when you're gone for a long period of time on these fires to have an established like relationship with the other people that you're working with? Oh, it's, it's super important. And I stress to people all the time, it's not so much where you work, but who you work with. It makes life so much better when you have good people around you. I mean, obviously, there's always individuals out there who, you know, maybe personalities don't, um, you know, seem to get along so well, or you may have had prior issues with um, that happens, it's there. But when you get a group, you know, and a crew that you work with on a normal basis, and you all get along, and you have each other's backs, and you support each other, it really makes, it makes it not work anymore. It, it's enjoyable. Um, Sometimes I kind of laugh because I'm kind of in that position right now with the people I work with and I can't believe they pay me to do this job. Sometimes it's so much fun that, you know, I enjoy going to work. Yeah. And that's when it really matters. Like all of us get into healthcare and as first responders, because we want to help people. Right. But um, it's also important for us to have fun at what we're doing and want to get up every day and go and do these hard things that we have to do and the long shifts that we have to do. I think it takes a special person to have that mentality because we, what, you know, the line of work that we do do is super serious. Um, and it's a fine line. Sometimes you have to walk to tell people how much you love your job because of the, you know, the things you go to 
is not fun. Um, it's the other stuff. It's the camaraderie and, you know, the brotherhood and everything else that comes with it outside of those um, incidents that make it possible for you to go to those and be successful and do the job and continue doing it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think I, the biggest question I have for you guys, you know, I'm married to someone who's an ag. And so I can't talk to him or he doesn't understand about a lot of the things that we see in healthcare or as a first responder. So how is that for you guys, both being in similar entities with each other and doing shift work and understanding that sometimes, you know, with your son at home, that one parent's going to be there and one's not for the holidays. How has that um, been for you guys to have that um, being able to lean on each other or has that been something that's been hard because you both do shift work? I will say that the last couple of years, we've been super, super blessed because of Kyle's position that he's been in and that I've been per diem. We've been able to celebrate virtually all holidays together. However, Kyle does get forced on duty sometimes, even in the position he's in. And we just kind of know that's the way it's going to be. And we know that we've been so lucky you know, the past couple of years and that I'm not in the hospital anymore. I'm not forced to work any holidays. So that's been really good. When we both did shift work, that was a very, very hard time. We tried to work around um, our son. So someone was always home with him and we didn't send him, you know, with family or to daycare longer than he had to. But that was also very hard because we could go eight, 10, 12 days without having a day off because I'd work three days, Kyle would work two, he'd work overtime, I'd work overtime. And so it was really important for us to be able to find um, a balance to be able to, if that meant we work the same days and we have to depend on someone for childcare, then that's what we had to do because, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you make at the end of the day, how much overtime you're working. Um, if you're not there with your family, the money doesn't matter anyways, you don't have anywhere to put that money. So I think it was really, you know, a hard lesson for us, but you know, one that we learned that we have to really put our family first, as much as we both love our jobs and love the people we work with and want to be there for them. Our number one priority has to be with each other and at home. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of, we've been really lucky though. Like I said, lately, essentially, I mean, eventually Kyle will go back to the field and we'll be, you know, celebrating holidays apart, but sometimes, you know, his, he's at a location where we can go stop by and see him or, you know, he's right around the corner. So we know, you know, that he's available if we need him. And so that's always been nice to know as well. And that's, what's great. I think about working shift work. I think a lot of people can't make it something that's against them, like long hours and 48 hour shifts or 24 hour shifts. But what's great about it is that we have days in the middle of the week that we can do things if you make your schedule and you can make your schedule how it works best for your family, like you guys did having holidays off. So I've always appreciated that about shift work. You know, looking at from the outside and especially when we first started, you know, down these career paths, you look at it and say, oh man, those schedules are going to be amazing. They're going to work together so well. Everything's going to be great. And, you know, in our opinion, I know I can speak for both of us. It was not good. It didn't, it did not serve us well. As, as good as we thought it was going to be, it, it didn't work for us. So we had to kind of refocus, um, you know, priorities in our lives and, 
and to make things work. So, and we have, and, and things are obviously way better, but yeah, just looking at it from the outside, it's tough. It definitely is. I don't, I'm, you know, I don't know how some people pull it off. If it works for them, that's amazing. It didn't work for us. Uh, we had to adjust and, um, you know, here we are. Yeah. And what would you say to some of those couples that are maybe having a hard time, um, you know, cause I know I have in my marriage in the past with me doing shift work and just doing the work that we do in general and not being able to talk about our emotions and how we feel, um, that's really affected my marriage. But what would you say to the people who are having a hard time in their relationships, um, with doing the work that we do, what advice would you give them when they're kind of in that hard spot right now? I would, my suggestion would be to take a step back to make sure you guys have time together. Because like I said, we could go eight to 10 to 12 days without seeing each other. And when you're at home by yourself, you have your routine down and you know what you're doing every day. And then when someone else comes home and it's like, wait a second, that's not what we're doing. That's not the plan. And, you know, sometimes that can be hard. And without seeing each other, we get used to being without each other. And that's not good for a relationship and marriage because it's not like, oh, we'll be 10 days apart and, and then we'll be together for a month. It's not like that. And so to take a step back to kind of rearrange your schedule, you know, if we're both on shift work, there can be trades done. There can be PTO taken. There can be lots of adjustments. And if you can't make it work with the two jobs you have, there are, you know, for the nursing career, I thought I would never leave the ICU. Guess what? I've left the ICU one, two, three times now. And so, you know, you can, there's lots of other jobs. And if that means to save your family and save your marriage, then you, guess what? You've got to switch jobs. So you have to figure out what works for you guys to give you guys time together and as a family. Otherwise it's not gonna work. Yeah, I love that. Like you can make it so individualized to what your family situation is. Um, and I know like for parenting for us, I don't live at home twice a week. And so when I'm at home, the five days, the kids know like they're basically listening to me as the parent, you know, he gets home later at night on those days, usually from work. And then he know they know when he's at home that they got to listen to what dad's doing. And it took a little while, like a couple of years for us to really mesh what that meant. Cause we'd come home, you know, I'd be with the kids for five days parenting the way I want to. And then I leave and then I come back and it's like, you know, we'd be at head with each other, but how has that been for you guys, you know, in previous years or previous times when Kyle has been gone for so long and then he comes home. Um, how has that been for you parenting wise? Um, one thing I do want to add on that last quick topic was I, I heard something from someone that kind of put work into perspective is if you, you know, were gone from this world tomorrow, you know, for whatever reason, or just left that job that your employer will have that position filled within 30 days and they move on from you as important as you may think it is to always be there for them, you know, and to put that first and how important your career is, they will fill your position within 30 days and move on from you, regardless of why you left or where you are or anything. So that really put things into perspective is it is a job. They are just your employer. As much as you love it, um, you're replaceable. They're going to find somebody to replace you. Um, you. You are not replaceable at home. You know, so that, mm -hmm. that put things into perspective for me a while back. So um, I just wanted to, you know, put my two cents in there. <laughs> yeah. the, the question you just asked, Janessa, actually, 
we just recently, you know, had something where Kyle was gone. I think he was gone maybe a month this summer. Um, but you know, I, we have an eight-year-old son. We have our routine at home and guess what? 30 days with just me and my son, you know, we have our routine and Kyle came home and was kind of like, you know, everything changes when I'm gone. And then when I come home, things get back in a line and guess, guess who looks like the bad guy? You know, he comes back home and, um, things change. And because, you know, mom's more lenient, mom lets him do this, mom lets him do that. And it's been a month like that. So we kind of had to have a come to Jesus meeting and, you know, it wasn't fun. I didn't want to back down. He didn't want to back down, but it ultimately came back that, you know, um, the schedule and the routine and the rules kind of need to be in place and they need to be kept in place, whether or not dad is here or not that way, when dad comes home, guess what? Everything's still fine. There's not huge change. There's not behavior problems, you know? And I think that was a really hard lesson for me to learn because, you know, when I'm, when I'm home alone with my kid, like that, I felt like that's our time. We can do what we want, but there are boundaries, there are rules, there are expectations, and there are schedules that need to be um, maintained whether or not both parents are here. And so, you know, and then when Kyle comes home from his 30 days, guess what? He's tired, he's exhausted. Sometimes, you know, they might be sick by the time they come home after a month, you know, being out there fighting fires. So it's kind of like downtime. And now I'm like, guess what? Dad's home. We need to get this done, this done, this done. Well, that's not really how it goes either because he's coming off a month long stretch of work. So it definitely takes some adjustment, some patience and, you know, working through the issues that come up when they come up and not, you know, pushing them out further and we need to, you know, make sure we address them right away. So it doesn't prolong things and make problems in the future. Yeah. And I think that definitely comes with time too, right? Like, um, how long have you guys been married? You've been married a long time. Two, ten, ten years. I think we've wow. been together for 17. Yeah. And it's, it's ebbs and flows, right? Like some years it's working, some years it's not, but I think it just takes it back to readjusting um, whatever it takes to get back into like this family and what's important for you and your goals for your family. Um, and that could be different for everybody. Absolutely. I think it can be different for everyone, every relationship, you know, every, you know, just even individually in our relationship, but we just have to get on the same page, mm. whoever's page that might be, you know, mm -hmm. we just have to kind of work it out together and, and make it work for the family. Yeah. And after doing this, I know you guys have both been doing these positions for a long time. What would you say are your favorite parts of being a nurse and being a firefighter? Um, for me, it's definitely the relationships with people. Um, I mean, it's like every little boy's dream to get on a fire engine and drive around with red lights on and, you know, the siren and all that stuff. And I've worked with some of my best friends on these engines you know, whether it's here locally, you know, at a county on, on some of these campaign fires. And I just find myself laughing sometimes because they pay me to do it. It's mm -hmm. pretty amazing. So um, we don't do it for the money, obviously, <laughs> um, especially working, you know, in the county setting. Um, but it's just, it's not work for me. I love, I love what I do. I enjoy going to work even, you know, in my office setting now, 
we have so much fun. So it's for me, it's the relationships and, and the people I've met and a lot of the things I've gotten to do over the past few years. Um, it's It's been fun. I will add that for me, <laughs> my favorite part of Kyle's job is also the camaraderie. We have uh, like a camping group with his work. So they work together all the time and they still want to get together. So we go camping with them. We try to go a couple times a year and we've just had, I've met so many great people through Kyle's work that that is one of my favorite parts of his job. Now, my job, I do do for the money. No, I'm just kidding. I really don't. <laughs> um, I would say, you know, obviously we love to help people, but in the ICU, this sounds a little bit like arrogant, but I loved being in charge and knowing that like my actions, um, my everything I did and being an advocate for that patient literally meant life or death for those patients sometimes. And I felt like having that confidence to know that I knew what I was doing and I knew that I could either, you know, help this patient, save this patient or help the family, you know, if the patient was going to go help the family to understand that and let that patient go peacefully and with dignity. So I felt like no matter what the, the situation was, having the confidence to be able to handle that situation, you know, really was kind of amazing because what other situation or job, you know, there's only a few jobs that you have someone's life in your hands and to, to be able to handle that just, you know, felt really kind of just empowering. And so I thought that was always, you know, just kind of cool. And I kind of missed that about the ICU. I always said to like, I don't know how, if you felt like this about the ICU, but I felt like at the beginning when you're just a baby ICU nurse, new grad, like we were, I was like, so scared. My patient was going to code. Right. And then by the end of being in there and putting in your time and really having confidence, you're like, do it, code, <laughs> do it. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to figure out what to do. Go for it. You know, I remember when I started someone had told me that it took them a full year to feel comfortable. And they prayed every day walking up the stairs. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't feel this way for a year. And I remember thinking, don't give me a patient that's intubated. Whatever you do, don't give me a patient that's intubated. And then like a couple months after, I'm like, wait a second, give me a patient that's intubated because then the respiratory therapist is taking care of the vent. And if they're not talking, like there's minimal things that I can do or mess up. And then, you know, now I'm like, give me the rotoprone patient, give me, you know, all the drips, give me the sickest patients because, you know, I felt like, dang, I can handle this. I can do this. And it's kind of those fine lines between, you know, having fun at work. It's like, give me the sickest patient, give me the coding patient, which is kind of a sick thought, but it's like, man, I can handle this. I can do this. And we say it's fun. And it's not necessarily that it's fun that someone's you know, dying or coding, but it's like, we're using our skills. We're using the knowledge we have. We're using the confidence and, you know, we're able to do our job and do it well. And so I think that's what's kind of cool about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Brie is going to become a flight nurse one day and work at my company as well. I, I um, thought I was, and then I decided I don't really, well, want you just don't know that now, but it's okay. Um, later, um, one last question for both of you guys. I consider both of you experts in your profession. You've been doing it a long time. You have a lot of experience under your belt for those people or listeners who are wanting to get into your professions. What advice would you 
give them if you could give them one piece of advice? Um, for the fire service today, um, it is it would be to that's a tough one off on the spot here, but you need to ask questions and figure out the path you need to get on and get on it right away. It takes time. There's, there's pre-quals you have to go through just to meet the minimum standards to, to begin testing with departments. Um, the hiring field is way different now than it was when I started. You know, we've changed from going into an arena of 5,000 people for five jobs to uh, you know, I've heard of local agencies testing for one job and they had four applicants. Um, I'm not saying it's easy. It's just, you know, the, you know, it's changed. Just, I, I don't know if we've hired everyone, you know, no one's really got put their fingertip on it and figured it out. It, it's just changed. The jobs are out there. So mm. ask questions, find a mentor, figure out the path you need to get on and get on it right away and kind of get going. Okay. That's good advice. I like that. I would say, you know, if you want to do be a nurse, I was told, you know, when I was going to want to get a nursing school is impacted, you won't be able to do it. They won't accept you. Now there's such a need for nurses. I know it's still hard to get in the programs, but apply, just try, get in. And when you're in nursing school, don't stress so much. Guess what? People with C's graduate just the same as people with A's and no one's really looking at your grades from nursing school. So Instead of stressing out so much, just take it in, learn what you can. When you get out and you want to be an ICU nurse, be an ICU nurse. The only thing I say, I know a lot of, um, you know, hospitals are wanting people to have bachelor's degree. If you go to a two-year and get your AA or your AS, I don't even know which one it is. But if you do that um, and you become a nurse, don't rush to take all these tests and go back to school. Learn, learn at the bedside. I feel like you know, the experience and the knowledge you're going to get the most is going to be at the bedside. So, so get your experience, get proficient, get, become an expert at what you, what you're doing, gain that knowledge. And then you will fly through school. You will fly through certain exams and, um, you know, like the, we have the, what the critical care registered nurse, I think it's called. And, you know, take your time to be a nurse before you start testing for those things, because it'll come so much easier once you're an expert at your job. Yeah. And I second that because I think in both of our professions or both of your professions, um, people think getting certifications is what's going to make you better than everybody. And it's not really that mm -hmm. it's the experience that you have on the calls that you're running on the patients that you have, like that's what gives you the knowledge base that you need to be able to be successful and be good at what you do. Absolutely. Well, thank you for taking time and being on today. I really appreciate it. And um, you guys are the first couple that I've interviewed. So nice. Thank you for having us. We're excited. Yeah, we enjoyed it. All right. Take care. Bye. It was so fun to be able to interview the both of them. And just a couple days after the interview, Bree texted me and told me that Kyle was promoted to battalion chief. 
Um, congratulations, Kyle, and we are just so happy for you. And what an inspiration that both of you are um, as a couple that serve the community and continue to uh, want to do good in both your careers and at home. And I just uh, look forward to seeing how far you guys will continue to go. Hope you guys are all getting ready for Christmas, and I look forward to chatting with you all next week. Bye.